welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hey, hey, round two. Uh, welcome into Six Again. This is our belated review um, of State of Origin 2, Queensland's demoralising loss after their game one win and New South Wales uh, resounding victory 34-10 uh, down in Sydney. We'll also be covering some signing news in the NRL and also the women's NRL W. So fingers crossed that nothing else shuts down. My name is Adam. I'm Jared. Yes. We've been having some IT trouble. Um, our program has... Frozen a couple of times. This is our third time for this episode. So we're going to get straight to it. And I'll repeat everything I've just said about five minutes ago. So there's been some signings since the our preview of State of Origin 2. Remia Smith was rumoured at that stage to be going to Melbourne on a two-year deal. He's since signed that. So he's moved from Canterbury to the, Bulldog, uh, to the Storm. Storm have also re-signed Marion Seve on a train and trial deal. And Josh Adokar was not released from the final year of his deal. So he'll be finishing out his contract in Melbourne. Although there has been talk uh, news with regards to his contract being upgraded from 300 to 480,000 for the last season. Um, there is still discussion around uh, a four year deal out of the West Tigers that he may be coming to at the end of next season and the Tigers will have more money with a couple of big contracts coming off their books in Josh Reynolds and Russell Packer. So that may still be a situation, but he is definitely going to be in Melbourne this year um, or next year. Sorry. Sione Matautia has been released by the Knights from the final year of his contract. He's off to St. Helens in the super league and Marcelo Montoya has signed a two year deal with the Warriors uh, so leaving Canterbury as well. Um, so Canterbury's down two outside backs for next season. So they may be busy looking to secure the services uh, of somebody in the near future. Josh Mansour is still out there. I haven't heard anything with regards to him going to the Bulldogs, but maybe freeing up some money to have a run at him. Who knows? I thought it was Tigers he was leaning towards, but we'll see. Yeah, Tigers have had a meeting with him. Um but if they're still looking at Adokar as well, at the end of next season, um, could be a sticking point with regards to money because of the amount of money they've got still on their books for this season. And also Mansell is stating he's looking for a three-year deal to compensate for the year that he's going to be looking at. Well, the third year would be basically the year that he's going to be playing in reserve grade. Um, whereas Tigers said they only want to offer two because he's already 31. So someone's going to have to budge there. Um, this is a, a signing that's happened a little while ago, but there's some news around it and the coaching ranks. So Todd Payton has given the most information out that he has so far since taking up the post up in North Queensland. He's awaiting on the arrival of his assistant coach, Steve Georgialis. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So he's, that's a pretty solid uh, assistant to have up there. 
but they're not that they're, they're making no secrets of who they're looking to sign uh and quote from Peyton we're looking for an outstanding outside back a try scorer a good defender and someone who breaks tackles we've got a few names on a list the thing is that works against us at the moment is the amount of money they have to spend. Uh, remembering that Valentine Holmes and Tamalola are on quite big money deals. Um, but I would not be want to. I would not want to be a Cowboys player right now because Peyton believes Cowboys have a roster capable of making the top eight. But they he's already warned the players that they're going to be facing an intense preseason. And uh, another quote here. We'll have the full squad together for three weeks before Christmas. We'll have another four weeks before we trial after Christmas. But we're going to be working to get things done. We've got a lot of changes with the way that we play footy. Skill set, catch and pass, draw and pass. A lot of stuff we're doing in the tackling when we carry the ball more. Uh, moving fast when we move defensively. Uh, it's a complete reboot from a footy perspective. A whole reset, new coaching staff, new calls. New setup on the field, completely new message to the players. So, Cowboys um, are in are in for a bit of a change by the sound of all that. You don't really and, usually get that much information out of a coach with regards to what and, they're going to be doing. In and in the small time Todd Payton was coaching the Warriors, you kind of believe all that shit's going to happen. Yeah, um, he was a he was a really upfront coach. Um, in the media as well as to his players. So it'd be very... Yeah, I actually can't wait to see that. It's yeah, it's, cool. it'll be... It's 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 um, a breath of fresh air for me. It's one of the... Well, it's a GM over one of the sports I follow... Uh, one of the teams I follow gives nothing away. And no. the most information he usually gives away is he said, I'd never read into anything I say. <laughs> Which is funny for journalists because he never says anything anyway. Um, so this is a fair bit of information. Um, we've also got New South Wales Rugby League's issued a formal warning to the Blues with regards to their handling of Cordner's head knock um, in the first state of origin, which means blah, because there's no other information on that. It's pretty much saying don't do it again. And leading up to origin three, uh, Anis, the Premier of Queensland, is lifting restrictions in Queensland as of Tuesday. So there's an expectation that Origin will be played in front of 52,000 fans. So capacity crowd at Suncorp for the third and final state of Origin of 2020. And the NRL are also handing out 2,000 tickets to frontline healthcare workers uh, for all the work yeah. they did in the city and the state with regards to the COVID pandemic that is still ongoing uh, worldwide, but Queensland and Australia are in a pretty good position right now and I think Anthony Abdo Andrew sorry Andrew Abdo uh, NRL CEO said it's an extraordinary season remarkable that our final game of the year will be an origin decider with no crowd cap it's amazing to think how far the game has come since the competition was suspended in March and that's that couldn't be a truer word said there's actually videos of state of origin one going around on Twitter in the States saying this is what could be happening if people followed protocol and stricter laws were put in place earlier. Um, and people over there couldn't believe that 
that we had so many people next to each other still watching live sport. So well done. That's really good news. Um, Queensland's going to love that, obviously, with our home crowd there after the New South Wales fans definitely made their voices heard on Wednesday night. Um, with regards to injuries, Corey Allen is expected to play. Um, in Origin 3, he's being named. He's just had a niggling injury. Uh, Christian Welch will be back from a concussion. Um, and the only injury concern for New South Wales is Josh Adokar's bruised toe that had a lot of swelling, but supposedly it's gone down a lot. Even though he sat out of training today, he should be right to play on Wednesday. Um, the un- Well, I'm going to say this like it's a small... The only other news that we've seen, this actually came from a source in the UK that the NRL may be taking an interest in purchasing a stake or even the entirety of the Super League to, that would basically give them control of the two biggest rugby league comps in the world and assist in the running of the game in the UK. Um, and this is pretty much coming off the coattails of the fact that the Super League has not been managing the comp very well financially, uh-huh. limiting expansion. Um, we saw what happened in the Toronto Wolfpack. Uh, that's, I, I know it's like, maybe I've only seen it on one story. So depending on where this came from, uh, it could just be a, a big noting of somebody. But if this turns into something substantial, this could be the biggest rugby league story in, in a fair while. Australia yeah, so, having control. Um, two years ago, I wouldn't have agreed to this because I thought rugby league in Australia was not exactly ideal. But now, um, with the leadership to get through the pandemic, and not only that, but it looks like they're going to be pretty sustainable next year where they're going to put a lot of money in different other sources where they don't usually put money. So they've made money. I wouldn't say they're entirely out of the out of their debt, but they have made money in this in this period. This so, yeah, because it looks like they're looking still looking at well, what expanding the women's comp next year, looking at expansion NRL in like two years, um, and a whole heap of other initiatives that they've announced the last couple of weeks. So yeah. obviously, the leadership up top's not too bad right now. On the other hand, the English Super League, it's <laughs> It's, it's horrible, that. man. Like, yeah. I've been keeping my ear to the ground as much as I can with regards to what's happening there, especially around the Toronto Wolfpack saga. The, literally, the chairman, the chairmans of the other clubs were the ones voting to allow another team in. It wasn't an independent board or anything like that. It's literally just the, the chairman of each club going, do we want these guys in or not? And then the head of the entire Super League who set up this committee um, was then supposedly in the background telling them not to vote them in because it wasn't going to be viable or whatever. Yeah. So and it's just infighting can, and... From what I can see, it seems like one of those really old, you know, really old school men's yeah. parlour clubs where they're in there smoking cigars and yep. drinking old whatever. Boys and, yeah, and <clears throat> anyone new coming in, they're whispering and trying to undercut them everywhere and then 
Why yeah, no of us? Yeah, I just kind of want Peter Volandis to walk in there and go, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. My way. Which he would. He wouldn't have a problem doing. Um, yeah. And I literally imagine the, NRL, the head of the NRL is going, Super League this left. North America, like, talent ground, talented players, whole new recruitment area, go. And they're yeah. like, we've got to do something about this because yeah. that is a, such an untapped area of our competition, of our, well, of our game. Yeah. So, well, look what, <laughs> look what rugby, rugby union's bigger in the States and rugby league, especially rugby sevens. But you had All Blacks versus Ireland um, in Chicago and the place was rocking. Like, it was, what, they had 30,000 people or whatever in Chicago watching New Zealand versus Ireland. And there's a lot of people in the States you'd assume think New Zealand and Australia are the same place or at least attached to each other. Uh, It's not like they've got an in-depth knowledge of the countries around the world and to have two foreign countries (laughs) playing a game that's foreign to them, it'd literally be, um, it'd be like Lithuania versing... Lithuania, but yeah. Lithuania versus Pakistan in Hackysack. Or something um, down at Suncorp yeah. and us filling out the stadium. It, it, it honestly sounds like, and I really hope it's true, that the NRLs saw this decision by the Super League to get rid of the Wolfpack and goes, we've got to do something about this, otherwise the game is going to die in that yeah. part of the world. In that part of the world. And that's where they and I, started. Like Adam said, it's not you know verified. No one's talked about it. No one's admitted it in the NRL. But if it's the case, it would just be positive for everyone involved yes and um yeah so that's all the i'm hoping that's a story we're going to be talking about more going forward uh that because source was the weekender newspaper which is an australian newspaper but but they're talking about sources uh within Um, the nrl chairman or officials within the nrl have been discussing this but the nrl hasn't yeah the english super league has also proven the last couple years that they are very ignorant of what goes on around here yes ignorant of the quality nrl like who's the english coach for now right now is it is it noble can't remember who it is and he's the one that always criticizes i thought it was wayne yeah who sean wayne isn't he no no sure oh I can't remember who it is, but it was one of them who's high up in the English hierarchy who always criticised the NRL. And he was one of the biggest ones against Bennett coaching the English team, which in hindsight yeah, is probably Wayne. correct. She's Sean Wayne, okay. Mm. It's probably correct, but in saying that too, it kind of goes to the theory, but they're so ignorant and they just don't want things to change, which by the sounds of it, it really needs to change. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, going back on to something Jared mentioned us earlier, NRLW looking for, they're discussing expansion. They've had three years of the four-team comp and it's worked quite well. It's generated a lot of interest. Uh, This is the first season, I think, that we've seen some big-name Rugby Sevens players come across, like Charlotte Kaslik, for example. And teams that are already putting their hand up to join in Newcastle and Canberra. Um, have already expressed interest in fielding a team. Um, You've got even the Sunshine Coast Falcons looking at putting a team in, so the the feeder club of Melbourne Storm. Uh, Redcliffe Dolphins have expressed interest, as now have the Titans. 
Um, yeah, so even though some of those players don't actually have teams, they've actually started signing players already. Well, you've got the NRL, you've got the Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership, which is the yeah. next level down. You've got Ramada's got a team, Canterbury, West Tigers, uh, Eels. Well, I'm, I, I just know this because I'm on their page, but I know Newcastle actually, I think it was like two years ago or a year ago, something like that, actually signed a young up-and-coming like 17, 18-year-old as the first Newcastle women's mm. competition player because I think back then they were allowed in the competition, but then COVID hit. So uh. um, they actually did sign a young girl. I can't for the life of me remember her name, but that's what they're doing. They actually sign like planning ahead by signing these contracts before they're even allowed in. So, which is fantastic for the girls involved. So yeah, yeah it's really cool. What's really sad down the bottom of this article, it's all, Positive, positive, but it says a 50000 license fee and other costs associated with fielding an NRLW team have deterred clubs from wanting to join. If yeah. $50,000 is deterring clubs, it shows how far the game's still got to go because that should be like literally a drop in the water. Yeah, yeah, it should be, but at the moment it's not. Um, anyway, so sticking with the women's game, Friday night saw... Queensland, New South Wales battle. So the Women's State of Origin Series is a one game rather than a three game. It's the first time it was held in Queensland and it was held up at the Sunshine Coast Stadium, which has got a fair bit of use and publicity up there. And Queensland has come away with their first interstate series victory, 24-18. It was a game that they largely had control of. Uh, New South Wales scored uh, two of their tries in the last 11 minutes. No, sorry, three tries in the last 11 minutes when they actually started getting to the edges of Queensland's uh, Queensland's defence. But Queensland's starting to really showcase some stars. You've got their fullback, Tamika Upton, who scored an 80-metre try off a kick return with some footwork. If you see it from front on, it was brilliant. Uh, Taryn Aitken, who ended up getting... uh, Woman of the match. <laughs> um, also, footwork off a dummy, sliced the line and up and got a second in the second half. There's just some really good talent on display and it's getting better and better every season. Um, but I think the best thing of Queensland winning was Steph Hancock retired from rep footy after that game and, and finally got her win uh, for Queensland. She's been one of the stalwarts for Women's Rugby League. And she's kind of like the, the Queensland version of Rowan Sims. She's uh Jeez, they used to hit each other hard, those two yeah, as well. Those used to be fantastic. So that that's a great way for her to go out. Uh she's kind of like yeah, your Sibna Seber or your Webkey in the in the Queensland's game, that respected old school prop. Um, who can throw a shot but was always involved, never let her team down. And Isabel Kelly and oh, uh, Kezi Apps from New South Wales had big games as well. I think Isabel Kelly ran for over 100 metres. Kenzie Apps made something like 36 tackles. And both of them came into camp in leg braces based off injuries that they picked up in round two of the NRLW. So they were injured coming into camp and ended up being two of the, the best performers for New South Wales. So a big win there for, for the women's... Uh, the, the Maroon women's team and 
I'm not going to say it's a changing of the guard because uh, New South Wales still have a lot of young, talented girls, but Queensland's showcasing some talent that 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 game-breaking talent that they haven't maybe had as much of uh, in the last three years. So, well done to the women's Maroons. Uh, commiserations to the Blues, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a a, a rivalry that's been close and will continue to be close in the the coming years close game is not what we saw on wednesday night and that's <laughs> going to be the meat of this show uh our wrap up of new south wales dominant dominant win over the maroons outside of maybe a 10 minute period uh maybe right near the start of the game for the maroons the the blues the blues had this game in the bag and i think it pretty much came off they kick, they kicking game early. They kick chase early, and the pressure they put Queensland under in their own half, and they just didn't relent for the eighty minutes that followed. Yeah, um, you, the, I think I messaged you and Kieran after the game and went, "That's better, a better representation of the quality that the sides were at." Yeah. Um, Saying that too, Munster was a massive loss, but I don't think you would have changed too much. You might have stopped one of their tries. I don't know. Um, you like he's not known defensively. Let's put it that way. So, no, but he's a good decision. Like we'll get to that a bit later on. But yeah, two tries were scored where he would have been. Yeah, standing. No. Um, Especially that one off it the was scrum. Just, oh my god! I, I think. The best way to say this game, it was just soft. Like, and I, I'm trying to be respectful as possible, but some of those tries, like Cody Walker's try, he just stepped on his right foot. Yep. James Tedesco's got try. Yep. Right. Uh, the car when he stepped, two of you guys and just like kind of fell over the line. Like, it wasn't. They, they weren't tries that I'm like, oh, we definitely earned that kind of thing. They were just tries that were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Come on, Queensland. That was just bad. Well, the one where um, – I can't even think. No, it was the Tedesco one. Oh, that, uh, was, that was so bad. If you watch, like, Ben Hunt was defending and he's sliding across. And he's pointing out and he's to the, to the well. second rower. And he's pointing out and he's going, I've got Tedesco. <laughs> so it's one-on-one. And he's telling his defense what to do without taking care of the decision himself. Yeah. Munster's not going to – Munster wouldn't have – well, you'd hope Munster wouldn't have done that. He's also a bigger body and that's where he would have been standing. But that was just look after your own assignment first before you start trying to tell other people what to do. Look, there's something to be said about talking in defense, but you are right. Um, he he he's he was one on one against probably one of the biggest attacking threats in the world with the ball in his hand ten meters out from the line, mm. and he he wasn't looking at him when he had the ball in his hand. It wasn't like Tedesco came off a late ball and hit a hole. He got the ball off a block 10 metres away from Hart. And Hart barely touched him. 
It was just, it was just very, very weak tries that I just sat there and I was like, like, yes, I was happy we won, but I was like, come on, this is just not even fun anymore. Some of those tries, like, as Andrew Johns keep going on about off scrums, where it's a set line, they had overlaps. Yeah, I, I did not, I did not get get that. Like, if the commentators going, why is there a, why are there four attackers to three defenders? And then they literally just looked up and went, oh shit, we'll have an overlap here. Let's use it. And like, duh, you're going to use it. It was um, pretty <laughs> obvious to us watching it. And there was one time where Daniel Tupou, if he was just a step faster, he would have scored because he yeah. got pushed out got pushed at one out. point. So it could have been another try off that exact same scenario. So it's just, yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't understand what Queensland were thinking. Um, that was just such basic. Process. Yeah, and and even looking at the the Queensland defense, the right side. Of Queensland's defense, I never felt, I, I never felt like New South Wales was going to break down that side. Uh, and the only time they did was yeah, Tupo's try, which was off, yeah, a switch of play. I'm just watching the the Munster one there, but Queensland's left edge defense, holy crap! When it was Hunt, Kate, Wool, Sammy, God, they were bad. God, they were bad, and. Two of them won't be there in game three uh, with Sammy being dropped and Hunt being dropped. But we were talking about this at the pub last night with um, Benny and Benny and the boys there. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, Cody Walker's just stepped right foot. That was yeah. Kate Wilkes. He can't defend to save himself on the edge. Um, oh, I... <sighs> we'll talk about Sammy. Because he's the one that got cut and everyone said he had a shocker and rah, rah, rah. Cleary's kicking game, possession, like field possession game was targeted on Sammy's side. Kick returns was targeted on Xavier Coates' side. And they pinned both wingers down the whole match. Sammy actually saved two tries because he got back and prevented had a car run around him twice. He couldn't do it all game, obviously. I'm just watching another one here. It's pretty hard to get backtracked that fast to beat Addo Carr. And he had to do it twice, which led to two, two um, dropouts. And credit to Cleary for kicking them brilliantly. When they got outside him, there's not much he could have done because it's either he stays out on his winger and the center's going to run through untouched or he comes in and at least forces one more pass. Um, but he's a scapegoat because he looks the worst because he's on the end of the line, I guess. Yeah, I just... I, I do believe he did play bad. Um, but as you said, full full credit to Cleary. Like Everyone's going, that was his best game. And he had a hell of a game. Yeah, but it's not that hard for that for any game to be his best game in Origin. So Fitler got away with him two years not doing anything, and then he finally played a game and when it mattered. Yeah, which is good because that's what I was going on about last podcast that we needed we needed continuity in the squad. Uh, 
I still don't 100% agree with the fact that Cody Walker should be half pairing for a long period of time, but it is what it is now. They're going to stay for at least till next year. Yeah. Um, so good on Nathan Cleary. Um, he, he won them that game off his kicking. Oh, yeah. That was one of the he best kicking. I, I agree with John's. That's one of the best kicking performances in Origin yeah. I remember seeing. It was very good for Cronk ish. That 40-20 was just freakish. And do you know what? I reckon Fitler just told him, why don't you kick early? You've got the fastest guy in the NRL there. You've got a rookie winger. And despite the fact he's playing Origin, Philip Sammy's a rookie winger in the NRL. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. And you've got what, a, a fullback who's wasn't even best fullback in his NRL team playing fullback. So why wouldn't they kick out? And Phil was just like, kick. You got the fastest guy there. Just kick and let him chase it. As long as he stays on side, a positive result's going to come out. And so it wasn't... Ex- I'm thinking he's probably the been watching the... No, sorry, you finished. It wasn't the hardest game plan to follow. Um, technically, it was very hard just because, you know, you've got to get those kicks right. But that's how New South Wales won. And... The Queensland back three just did not handle it at all. No. it's And I'm thinking they must have been watching... Fittler's obviously been watching the Storm this year because Cameron Smith and Adokar have done that three times, I think, this year. Once or twice off general play and once off a scrum. That led to a try off at Sunshine Coast. And it is just pinning, getting the ball down early and, and just letting Adokar use his speed. And, and another, another thing... Sorry, sorry. Another thing that shows how rookie Sammy was it was when he got thrown out. So when he got um, he got the ball two meters out from the line, he ducked under Adder at car. Yeah, and then with three New South Wales players within ten minutes, he stood up and oh, and I was just sitting there and like, I'm gonna say put- that's also something on Holmes as well because there was obviously no communication between the two. No, because I thought but you. When I first saw it, I had the exact same thing. What are you standing up for? When he ducked under, when I watched it the second time, when he ducked under, he was facing over the sideline. Like he was looking out. Um, he wouldn't have known how much ground those other guys had covered. Home should have been... Well, I don't know if he did. We couldn't hear it and it's not going to come out. You'd be hoping that there'd be communication saying, stay down, stay down. Um because we've all played footy. If you've ducked under a tackle and you're that close to the sideline, the first thing you want to do is get away from it as fast as possible. And, yeah, I don't well, know. Well, he should have it's hit the ground as soon as he hit contact because he didn't he, – he, he went into the tackle upright, which gives them more of an opportunity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Upright. yeah. So that was wrong. And you just sit there and you're like, the great wingers – well, okay, Daniel Tupo wouldn't have got thrown out. No. Josh had a car would not have got thrown out. Um, Morris twins were not going to be Darius Boyd when he played for Queensland would not got a thrown out in that. Yeah, that's all he ever did was just lie on the ground. Yeah, well that's all he done. It would have helped him there. Yeah, but that's the point. So and that's in most games because this game got dominated by New South Wales. But in most games in a pressure situation, if that happened, that would have just blew the entire game out. That would have yeah. just 
change the whole thing. So you put that in, well, any close origin game, Sammy's like the the biggest, what's the word? Biggest villain in the Queensland squad because he made a very crucial winger mistake in a very, I think it was like the 65th minute or yeah. something like that. So it was just. And it's like, there's always going to be casualties off a game like this. Um, just watching back, just to refresh my memory then, the first Adokar one where he was stepped inside, Ugh. that was – all three of them were to blame then because you had Hunt was late, Kate was early, and then um, Sammy was flat-footed. So any one of those three New South Wales could have, could have scored then. There were gaps all over the place. That was horrible. And the, the kick that bounced up, that Adokar came through and scored on. I think that was a build-up of that early kicking all game. Yeah. Balls in behind, balls in behind, balls in behind. And as soon as that's planted early in a winger's head, the rest of the game, do I come up, do I go back? Uh, the Storm used to do it with Cooper Cronk. All, like Cooper Cronk used to do it with the Storm all the time. Uh, you'd, they'd kick early, they'd get the winger turned around, rah-rah-rah, then the winger would stay back. He'd do his cutout ball on the fifth. The winger would score. So then the winger would come up. He'd kick behind. That's one of the oldest players in the book with this sort of style. Of, um, yeah, and do you know and, the and only way to, to stop it is? Research and communication. Yes. Which the only way happen. to stop it. No. And I, I don't know. Like, obviously, there's going to be four guys. Ben Hunt was one. He, he would showcase why he can't play. To me, I, I agree with it. He's a... He's either a hooker at this level because he's not going to be a half because he got exposed so much in defense on the edge. He doesn't have the foot speed. He doesn't have the size to be able to stop players one-on-one. When he's in the middle around the ruck, he's protected by the forwards and he's tackling players who don't have the speed and the footwork of a Tedesco or a Walker. He can survive in there. Uh, You picture Jake Friend, third one in from the edge. He's not going to be anywhere near as efficient tackling. Um, as he is in the middle of the field. Ben Hunt's exactly the same. Munster can handle people one-on-one. He's never going to be the best defensive back in the world, but he can handle Tedesco one-on-one. He's got the footwork and the speed to cover it. And that, um, obviously, Brad Fittler wouldn't have planned that leading into the game because we didn't know Munster was going to get hurt. But I think... It worked out. Yeah, they worked out very quickly that that's where we're going to go. We've got a reserve hooker we've got a second row a bench second row playing center and a rookie winger it's not that's not hard um i'd say if xavier coates was on philip sammy's wing he'd be the one dropped uh as well so he didn't have a good game either and he scored one of the best and most athletic tries it actually got me off my seat i went there's no freaking way he got that down that was a brilliant athletic effort but then the rest of the game they were just peppering him with high balls he made he caught the first one and then from then on he was so shaky knocked on he didn't make meters Trebojevic creased him as well I was thinking considering how much New South Wales kicked Queensland's kick return meters stats were horrible and I went through the stats and had a look after apart from the fact New South Wales ran for 700 more metres. 
a lot of the other stats were actually pretty similar. Um, but ones that stood out, kick return meters. Usually the team with less possession has the most kick return meters because they the other team's got the possession, they're kicking it deep or whatever. Kick return meters, New South Wales had 283. Queensland had 46. <laughs> They couldn't, that's they, more respectful of um, New South Wales kick chase as well. That's what I mean. They they yeah. they had a plan to kick in behind Sammy, and they kicked to Coates high, because I obviously saw them as not being able to run the ball out. Sammy was good in the first game at getting the ball out of trouble. He had a very un uh, uninspiring game, but was not a bad game. He just solid. The fact that within an entire team you can't run the ball for one half of a rugby league field off kicks shows how good the kicking was and how poor the return was. That was one set that showed out um, because kicking meters, they only were up by 50 over a whole game, but kick diffusal 58% from Queensland, a hundred percent from New South Wales. So any attacking kick that Queensland did or any kick, New South Wales made no mistakes off it. And the fact that Queensland only accounted for 58% of the kicks is horrible. And, and, and I think that was the biggest thing. The kicking game ruled this game. And the kick, the chase, the choice of kick, they had it had such a big impact and it did not allow Queensland to even have a sniff of getting back in this game. It was just pure control. It would have been interesting, you know, having someone like Slater back there to see if he could have stopped it. Um, as, as we said, Cleary's kicking game was on point. Um, that was his best game he's probably ever played in his career, to be honest, um, which is good on him. Um, but, yeah, so... I'm thinking about that, actually. I don't know... I don't think it would have mattered who was at fullback because the kicks were almost Look, always found the ground. And I that's Slater's the best fullback ever. And we know how fast he is and, and how quickly he can get to balls. But Look, I I, I think Slater's pre- like preparation. I think Slater, as he said, speed across the ground. I think Slater's ability to read the kicker. Um, I think it would have been the reading of the kick and the communication might have made the difference. Yeah, and Slater, that's the best thing Slater's known for. So I I think Slater could have stopped it. But that's a null and void point. Um, They had Holmes there. That was the best team Queensland could put on the field according to what they had. And it's just... That you know, you have to go off that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Slater could have stopped it a little bit, not much. But the biggest thing for Queensland was, yeah, the kicking game in New South Wales was shit. But Josh Papali only ran for seventy three meters. Yeah, Queensland um, Ford's it, it re- got owned. Yeah, like I think in the first set, they, Queensland only made fifteen meters. Mm. Um, New South Wales Ford should be commended because we really really were liking the Queensland Ford pack. 
So yeah. we really like Louie. He's a worker. Obviously, Papali's Papali, but Fodawaka got dominated. He was re- got... I was really disappointed with Fodawaka. Yeah. Oh, it really um, was. Felice Kafusi, Australian second row, got smacked around. Ran for 50 big... metres. Yeah, I think the biggest... I think Fasamawali made the most, or Jai Arrow, yeah. one of the two. Fasamawali ran most. for 112. It was the most. Yeah. Would made it. Kate Will ran for 162. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of did. Oh, I'll get back to him later. Yeah. So, look, as far as the back three go, yeah, they got smacked around by Cleary, but the Fords have to stand up and put their hands up as well because. Um, one Cleary had the time to make those kicks. That's the thing. Two, like, that's the thing. New South Wales quick play the balls. Cook was running. Yeah, Queensland couldn't respond. So Cleary had all the time in the world to pick where he wanted to kick, kick it how he wanted to kick it, and then credit to the 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 Blues of working as a team and chasing it. But their forwards laid the platform, yeah. much like Queensland's did in the first game. Um, and, and full credit to New South Wales forwards. So, and I'm talking about their starting forwards because yeah. from what I remember, Junior Paulo and Nathan Brown were on the field. I think Nathan, Paulo Nathan, made, oh, you'd really notice him when he came on second phase. Play. Yeah, but he, he, he only played about 15, yeah. 20. He didn't have to play um, anymore. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. So the starting forwards of Haas, they, they Haas played well. And yeah. Safidi played just, that. That was a way better game by Frizzell. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. So Safidi and Frizzell, uh, Safidi and Pass, like I think they played 60 minutes each or something like that. And the other two came on. And then you had Fanukin in there as well. He played a few. He was few good minutes. too. Yeah. But I think another thing that New South Wales benefited from is they started using the edge forwards like edge yes. forwards. So Crichton played really well. Yeah. Frizzell played amazing. Like he's so damaging on that edge. And when Crichton's more dynamic than Boyd Cordner is. So in every situation, if Boyd Cordner was fit, he'd start. But on the weekend, I thought he was way more of an attacking threat, Crichton yeah. was, than Cordner ever yeah. could be. So, and because he was starting, what they were doing, they were pounding it through the middle, and then they was giving it to those blokes. And they were making 10, 15, 20 metres, hanging people off them. And you know, then Cody Frizzell. Walker swept on one side because they already... Yeah. You got Frizzell, who's like a pure ball muscle. That's the best way to describe yeah. him. Um, and he's so, he'd be so hard to tackle, and he can, like, step around. Where Crichton's just that stepping, and he can run a hard line. And I feel like he'd just be... a bony guy to tackle yeah. kind of thing like you just you, you just feel Cri- every time you Crichton hit. and Frizzell you can give the ball early and they can do Ooh, damage Cordner Cord- yeah. has to be to me put in a hole he's so yeah. good at angles and so good at time in his run but it's rare that he runs through people if that makes sense like because yeah. he doesn't have the size he can run he can take people with him but you're talking about yeah, your damaging edge back rowers are the ones who can break tackles, bust the line, um, and keep going. Frizzell and Crichton both have that in their arsenal, and they displayed I it. I still wouldn't say no to Boyd Cordner and my team, though. 
Oh no, definitely um, not. It's just, it's just a different skill set. Yeah, it's a different skill set. Um, for for negatives for New South Wales, um, I still don't like Crichton and centers. Oh, it's not Gufferson and centers or Whiten. Um, no, I like Whiten was fine. No, you didn't like him. That's no, I, I the reason why he'd always still be in my team. Like he was horrible defensively again. Like considering how little ball Queensland had, um, the try of Coates was scored down his side as, side as well because he got shimmied and stepped on the outside. The fact, the reason why he stays in is because he can do so much damage and attack. And yeah. he, he was awarded, uh, he was rewarded with a try, which was a rarity because Gagai missed a tackle, which is a rarity in origin. He, um, had the first contact on Whiten, and you saw him drop off and his head went straight down. Um, but when he gets the ball and just straightens up, the advantage he gives you is literally a second, second rower in the centres. And yeah. that alone is worth, is worth it. But I was agreeing with Kieran. He brought it up. Was you. I... I been thinking about more and more. And next year, he's my 5'8 for New South Wales over Walker or Keary. Oh, I really like that idea. As long the as they watch it. can stick with it. Huh? As long as they stick with it. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, the, like, the reason why they got went away from Keary was his defence. And the reason why they um, went away from Walker last year was his inabil- inability. attacking ability. No, his attacking ability better than Keary's. But his inconsistency of performance with Wyden, yeah, Queensland can plan for him because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a dude who's going to run the freaking ball at you, can now kick long, can pass both sides um, and break tackles. And then you've got enough other playmakers around. He's just... New South Wales' best 5.8s were all running 5.8s. Yeah. Even going back to Kenny, even though he didn't have the size, he used to run it. But Fitler, Daly, um, I'm struggling here. Anasta. That's enough, yeah. All right, the, and then you look at Queensland, Wally Lewis, Cam Munster. Like, Jonathan Thurston was the least running 5'8 we've had, and he still ran the freaking ball. Um, I just think White and outside of Cleary. Uh, Cleary? Yeah. Look, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with Walker. Well, not really, but I'm cool with Walker as long as they stick with it. Like, yeah, they won't. Di- dynasties are built on sticking with the same team. It just uh, frustrates me. Um, yeah, so the, move, like that, that's the best analysis we give on that game. Queensland, yeah. there weren't many positives coming out from them, and that's shown because they've come through with a bit of some changes. Um, I think one, yeah, there's negatives for New South Wales, way more positives. There's more po- negatives for Queensland, but there are positives. Gagai, again, had a really decent game, except for that one miss on Wyden. Jaden Sewer looked quite damaging on the edge when Queensland had possession and got the ball. Um, so that's something, and he's got more pace than I gave him credit for. Jai Arrow, um, did enough off the bench again. I think he should have been starting. Um, that he may get a crack at starting next week in a late switch. We'll see. 
Tino's been building um, as an Origin player over these two games. It was great yeah, to see he... him and Haas have a have that. Yeah, they played against each other at high school level and national national um, comp, and then they played together in the Kangaroos teams, and they were they were chirping each other on the way off the field too, which was brilliant. And I think a, a guy at work, no, sorry, a female colleague at work said, "Well, if the comp that didn't know Tino before, they definitely know him now." I was like, "Yeah, he's pretty much made a name for himself." Um, hey, good on him. He, he he played well. He, like I said, when he got the ball, he was the only one that was putting it a little bit of a dent in New South Wales squad. Mm. Like just the way he ran. Like I think I think one time he got it twice in one set yeah. because no one else was putting a hand up and he was like, fuck it, just give it to me. So, yeah, that was really good. After the first um, game, I was talking to his union coach when he was in high school and we both were saying the same thing. He was putting that team to run the ball and the first game he was kind of getting it, looking around, should I be running it, should I be passing it? And after he got benched in the first game, he had his second stint. From then on, he's just tucked the ball and ran. And that's what he's in there for. And I, I didn't pick him as the one that would spark Queensland or attempt to spark Queensland with something. Um, Taking on Payne Haas, I love that. Just go for the biggest player. Why not? And that actually led to us in the staff room spending, I think, the sec- last 20 minutes of a break looking at best, or- <coughs> best origin fights. <coughs> um, this is what teachers do at school, kids. Hey, it's first break. It's our time. Uh, so that was cool Daniel Tupo was quite impressive I didn't realise that was his first ever origin try uh, he only played game. one or two games before last week huh? he only played one or two games before last week no way yeah he's only played I reckon that's his maximum fourth game that's that was I'm like his that. eighth game nah nah fourth game that's what I reckon um, yeah, he, he was really good. Um, I, I kind of he, he returned the ball like a winger. Yeah, and he, do you know what? He also there was one point where he shrugged off about four forwards, and that wasn't a kick return. That was just off the dummy half running. So yes. he was very very strong. All right, we go down the middle. He's played six games. I said eight. He said okay. four. Okay. That was his first try. Yeah. yeah so he, he's a. He's a safe player. He's not overly, you know, um, athletic. He's just big, he's strong, and he can jump. Yes, that sounds athletic. So, no, no, I mean, like, you, you compare him to the yeah, Yeah, so it'd be interesting next year because if everyone comes back... So, I did mention this at the start of the game. So, next, next year... Whoever gets 5-8 for New South Wales are going to have Travojevic obviously back in. Um, probably Wyden's going to be there. Adokar. Fittler's genuinely going to stick with Tupo on the wing. Just pens on the other winger. But yeah, I don't think he will. Yeah, so there's a lot of wingers there for New South Wales to pick from. It'd be I don't think they'll put a winger on the other wing. Yeah. I, I reckon they'll have Travojevic on the wing and Adokar on the no. wing. Travojevic will play in the centres. Katoni Staggs will play in the centres. We'll see. But Queensland, and we mentioned this before the podcast, if they had their full strength team there, 
at any one time on the field, they could have Dave Fafita, Caelan Ponga, and AJ Brimson, Harry Grant playing on the same field. And then you add Munster and Cherry. How scary is that for the defensive line? Like, oh, oh, just run and hide then at that point. Yeah. And then you add Corey Horsburgh to that. I got one for you. Next year, next year, fight of the round, Corey Horsburgh versus Nathan Brown. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> that would that'd be, be good. epic. Oh, yeah, so about, that was, oh, wait, I'm talking about fights. What was locked in um, as Gal a charity fight? Mark Hunt. Oh, that was locked in, Gallon versus Mark Hunt. But no, two players who are playing now. Is it Papali and... Um... No, that's a lie. Papali's denied it. Oh, bugger. <laughs> yeah, Papali's uh, right. denied it. Queensland-wise. Now, Kurt Catewell. We both say he's an origin player, and he is. He's got the effort. He's got that sort of team before the player mentality. He's not a starter, and he's not a center. I get that he yeah. made 162 meters. That's brilliant. Like I said, he's an origin player. He was putting his hand up for his carries. He was getting in. He was getting involved. But he is such a liability in defense. He's too slow. He doesn't move laterally. He doesn't have the <laughs> speed to keep up with Anything. Oh, and I'm just happy that he's. Uh, you should be happy that he's up against Gufferson. I don't care who he's up against in that back five. They've all got the advantage over him. Nah, not Gufferson the way he played. Three, four tries came down his side. Yeah. What? Which of them had anything to do with Gufferson? It doesn't matter. That's, no, it does. That's my point. A lot more tries would have been scored if Staggs was there or Trevojevic was there. It would have been 56-6 to six just because of the fact that if you give them the ball, they will actually know how to attack. Gutherson tried to run, run through him or around him. He did not try and step him. He did not try to do anything a center usually does against a slower opposition player. Yeah, I still don't care. He's still letting three tries down his side. Nah, I, I guarantee you it would have been a lot worse than that if you had a decent player playing. I think play. in origin, 34 tens is the same as 54 10. It's a smashing. Yeah, no, I would have felt a lot better about 54 10. But he is. We talked about the start of the series. They just don't have the talent or the speed out there. And if New South Wales get it right, um, this is what's going to happen. And this is what happened. To me, it's the exact same as the first game, except for the fact Kiri had kicking on point and New South Wales finished their chances. And because they finished their chances in this game, it didn't give Queensland the chance to grind away and grind away and grind away like they did in the first game um, and, and, and score their points that way. Because we saw in this one, as soon as Queensland got the ball in any set, they don't have that speed, the agility, the talent to be able to create something from nothing um, and and run your your field and score. There's not going to be the chip and chase to Slater anymore. There's not going to be the um, dummy and go by Thurston. There's not going to be the huge metres Inglis could pick up from inside your half. So... And it took one took one game, but Fittler definitely outcoached Bennett in this game. And Jared made a point 
before the game, after Queensland's win in the first game, it was all about Bennett and all the confidence he instilled in the halftime speech and all that sort of stuff. They lose the game, and it's how bad the team was, not how bad the coach was. So that was an interesting caveat that he, um, Jared picked up. And from New South Wales' point of view, they won, but I've heard hardly anything about Brad Fittler. I've heard it about the team, um, which is interesting, but it is usually New South Wales-led media. It's Queensland's made changes for the third game. New South Wales are sticking with the same 17 um, as you expect. Queensland have brought in Corey Allen onto the wing uh, uh, rather than Philip Sammy. And they've brought in Harry Grant onto the bench at 14 instead of Ben Hunt. And Christian Welch is back from his concussion layoff. And That's a good, that's great. Jamis Louie has been dropped to the bench and Fodawaker has been dropped out of the 17. So, you know what? I'm not 100% a fan of Harry Grant coming off the bench. Um, I think... So, he's in the competition. It's Coruscant, Smith, and Grant who will play kind of the same. They're the crafty little players. That, oh, sorry, they're the, they're the crafty yes players out of dummy half. Yeah. Um, Grant, for me, is a long-game player. So, he's the kind of guy who's going to come out of dummy half, pass, 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 then dummy and run. He's not the kind of guy who, straight off the bat, is going to dummy and run. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's the guy who's going to... It's the same players we're talking about with the kicking behind, kicking behind, kicking behind pass. Yeah. So, and I think that bringing him on for... I don't know what Bennett's plans are. Bringing him on for 20 minutes is not going to play to his strengths. I would rather Harry Grant start and then... Well, Jake Friend can't really come off the bench either. So, I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Grant or Nathan Brand, no, no, Jake Friend being in the same team because <clears throat> I think their strengths play against each other coming off the field. They're both 80-minute players. Oh, I actually quite like that point. Um, yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. Look, I've been proven a lot wrong in this origin. I've criticised a lot of players who have played really well. So... Um, I could be wrong, but I just I, that's how I see Harry Grant and Nathan Friend. I see it from Nathan both points game. of view. I agree with you with Grant in the games that he did really well for the Tigers this year, which was most of them. Most of his work was done in the 20 to 60 sort of time frame after he'd built into the game. And um, But the other side of things, with Queensland needing to obviously win this one to win the series, putting a kid who's <clears throat> been in the media a lot already this year, um, half it not from his own doing the contract, half it with how well he's played, and then put him straight into a starting hooking role at Suncorp. Um, oh, yeah. That sort of stuff. I, I Whereas him being on the bench, 20 minutes goes past and he'll enter and no one will even notice except for the commentators and interchange card. I think the coach will be more along the lines of how short is Jake Friend's leash? Um, 
and and it's game script. I wouldn't be surprised if he's replaced after twenty minutes. And, That's and stupid. Grant could stay, but then he could throw friend back on there as a lock later on. Yeah, if see, needed to lock it, it like to lock down a game or something like. Yeah, no, that that's that ploy only works if you're winning. So if you put Ben Hunt, that's more of an attack. I think that's more dynamic. Yeah, or he could just use Harry Grant as a Hunt sort of thing and bring him on as a same sort of role as Hunt had in the first game. He went into yeah, every he, now and then. He played lock every now and then. He's not as quick across the field as Hunt is. I just—he's pretty, yeah. pretty quick. Ah, uh, oh, novice. I just—I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it. That's all. Um, I could—he could get man of the match. He has the ability there. I just think that he's a player. That oh, sorry, they're both players who are 80 minute players, but are not locks at the same time. Like. When, when Sam Verrills was playing really well or Jake Friend was out, they did the same thing. And Sam Verrills was the hooker. Jake Friend was not effective at lock. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't watch those games. Oh, yeah. So it's, the same, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Sam Verrills is more of a dynamic Cam Smith kind of player hooker. Jake Friend, we all know he's... He was a, a very strong attacking when he was in the juniors. I remember watching yeah. him playing, but he just isn't now. He's a, he's a defensive player. Um, and he wasn't... That was when all the talk was that Jake Friend's going to go from the Roosters when he was playing lock, when Sam Verrills was around. When, because they couldn't put Sam Verrills at lock yeah. because he was, he, he was not... Yeah, so... I just think they're both players who don't need replacements. And that's the problem I see. I, I feel like there'd be a, a better option um, there. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily Hunt, but I wouldn't actually mind seeing Kirk Capewell go to the bench if they got a decent setup. Yeah. Because he can play a lot of places. So there's no point us really trying to pick New South Wales 1 to 17 uh, because it, it's pretty much going to be the, it is going to be the same. Outside of oh, an injury, Pappenhausen might come in. There, yeah, Pappenhausen may come in on the bench. Um, oh, that'd be good to see. How good would that be? Next year, Ponga, Brimson versus Tedesco and Pappenhausen. <laughs> yeah, New South Wales got that one. <laughs> oh, mate, how good would it be? It will be, yes. I'm still looking at this Queensland team, how... The players have been brought in into the like Welch will go into the starting prop position, and um, Allen will go into starting uh, wing. Winger. Oh god, it's still the same issue as the other ones. There's just not enough in the back line. Um, so you'll have Welch and Papali starting props. Friend, I'd still have. I'm going to stick with what I said for the first. So it's not going to happen, but still what I do. Um, Arrow is starting lock and Sewer and Kafusi are starting second row because Queensland's bench players, they're bringing industry, but they're not bringing impact, if that makes sense. Whereas yeah. I felt when Junior Paulo came on and Dale Finucane came on, they had impact. 
bring in Tino on and Collins on at the same time would give you Oof. impact more so than Collins and Arrow. Um, I'm loving Lindsay Collins. Yeah, so every, time he comes, every time he gets the ball, oh, it's lovely. It's good. And I feel for Fodawaka, he got his shot, but it was in like the worst situation and he just didn't stand up. And well, I preferred him when he was at the Titans this year. He came back from an injury and played off the bench and he wasn't as good either. He's To me, he's a starting prop. And... Um, him and Papali firing up together, I could see, and Welch coming off the bench rather than the other way around. But it, it looks as though Fodawake is going to lose his spot completely, and your bench makeup will be Louis, Arrow, Collins, and Hunt. Uh, sorry, not Hunt, Grant. Uh, yeah, my back five, actually for both teams next year, is going to look completely different. Mm-hmm. Um but that's a talk we can have at the end of this series. Um, and look ahead and look ahead then to the next series. Um, we'll pretty much finish it up there. Uh, Tedesco, we didn't even mention. He had another huge game. Yeah. Actually, if you look at the locker room um, Facebook page, there's a really good article about it. Tedesco's game on Wednesday night would have been the greatest game for a player not to his standard. But we're so used to Tedesco yeah. being, like, incredible. They were like, ah, it's Tedesco, which we shouldn't be because we should be prepping him. Because I think he ran for, like, 250 metres, scored a try, had two tries, this or something like yeah. that. He had an epic game, but because we're so used to it from him, it's just like, yeah, yeah one, Tedesco one try, stood up again. <laughs> one try, two try assists. 22 hit-ups, 239 metres, 65 post-contact metres, four tackle breaks, two line breaks, two line break assists, four tackles, zero missed tackles. And we're all talking about Nathan Cleary. Nathan, that's a man of the match performance in every single game in the world, but it's just because it's Tedesco. It's just like, ah, righto. Yeah, he was... <laughs> Far out. Yeah, he's a freak. He's an but absolute freak. He ran for 239 metres. Tupo ran for 227. And this is the rest of the back line. 54, 79, 66, 48. <laughs> got clearly 115. This is like, yeah. don't worry, guys. We got this. Yeah. There's, Tedesco's shoulders are big enough to carry a team. We all know it. All right, guys. I think that's it for tonight. Um, we'll see. We'll have to watch another two and a half hours of Masters golf replays that I didn't get to watch this morning, and then I'll get up at five for round three. Um, whether <laughs> you'll see me at work on Monday, I'm not sure. It depends what the fourth round's looking like. Oh, a massive day at work on Monday. Ooh, um, yeah. And we shall talk to you next time. All right. Yeah, we'll uh, come at you Wednesday morning. We'll record Tuesday night for all the updated lists, uh, all updated news going ahead for State of Origin three. 2020 um and as always guys follow us on twitter uh um youtube continue to rate review the show if you're on apple pod or itunes and um yeah we'll talk to you wednesday morning bye
Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's Craft Beer Choice of the Week.